Welcome to Chaintech, the show and podcast focusing on the latest trends in supply chain, procurement, and logistic technology. My name is Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and together with my co-host and special guest, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in supply chain. From early stage to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help drive more innovative, agile, and resilient supply chain around the world. This is Chantech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chantech. I'm your host, Max Henry from the Global Supply Chain Council, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Hui Wong. Hi, Hui, how are you? Hi, Max, I'm good. Hi, everyone, I'm Hui. I work as a supply chain design analyst uh, to provide the solutions for the multinational companies. Nice to have a conversation with you today. Yeah, good to have you again, Hui. Uh, thanks for joining us. So, uh, thanks for, you know, all of you uh, listening to this new episode of the show as we continue to host some of the most interesting chain tech founders and discuss the rapid rise of supply chain logistic and procurement technology across the APAC region, but also in Europe and North America. As we jump into today's conversation, I also want to make sure that you are aware of our Chantech platform, where we are you know, creating the best solutions and the best startup in the field of supply chain. And also, if you are interested to listen to our previous episode, you can check out, uh, you know, check out the uh, website at Chantech.show. Today, we are joined by, you know, Martin Deray, who is a co-founder and a CEO of Cargo Plot. Hi, Martin. How are you? Hi, Max. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Good. All right. Great to, to have you today. So as we always uh, do that at our interview, I would like to maybe uh, start with you, um, uh, your background and, you know, where you come from. Maybe uh, you could uh, tell us uh, where you're based, uh, what's your background, where did you grow up, and uh, maybe the type, the type of studies that you have uh, before, you know, starting to work here. Yeah. All right. That's uh, pretty much all of my history then. Um, okay, let's see where to, where to start. I'm Dutch. Uh, Cargopod is also based in the Netherlands, uh, but our our sort of sort of footprint is is global. We work with Chinese companies, uh, for example, Indian companies, etc. As well. Um, so the region is important for us. Um, but let's start with me then. Um, so I I've, I I grew up in the Netherlands as well. Um, did high school here during high school, started with my first entrepreneurial ventures, um, had a lot of fun doing that and always knew that whatever I was going to do, I probably would end up uh, starting a business somewhere. And generally what, what piques my interest about entrepreneurship is that you can help others, uh, you know, do something in a way that they hadn't been able to do it before and thereby, uh, you know, enhancing their, their experience of life. So, uh, that, that that always uh, motivates me in what I do, and so I to to go to my studies that I did. I decided to go do a sort of natural uh, sciences uh, studies, a bachelor's, uh, and on the side also a bachelor's in business economics. Uh, then I decided to specialize in finance, uh, but um, right before embarking my 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 uh, career in, in in the industry of private equity, as as I was planning to do. I uh, I tried 
sending a couple of motorcycles to to South America uh, from Europe at the time. And that was when I um, came in contact with the industry of freight forwarding as a potential client. I've always, I I grew up between people that are active in the field of logistics and freight forwarding. So I I was aware of the industry. I just wasn't aware of the industry as a potential client. And at the time I started looking for a freight forwarder who could help me actually move those motorcycles to uh, wherever I wanted them to go. but I couldn't find one. And it was largely driven by a couple of elements of the industry that led me to believe that an IDS cargo port would be a good place, uh, would be something valuable. Uh, from, from the basis of that idea, I started talking to a lot of different freight forwarders in the first place uh, uh, to see whether the idea that I had in, in mind at the time, which was very different from, from what it is right now, uh, would, would, suit, would, would fit the market on that side. And then, of course, you need to start talking to potential clients. So I did that as well. Um, wrote up the business plan um, and, and decided it was an opportunity that uh, I should not let slip. And that, that's about two years ago. And that, that was the birth of, of CargoPlot. Okay. So you, you actually, your, your motorcycle business, how long did you actually uh, do this? Is it still a business for you or, or you stopped uh, selling those, those, those bikes? So it actually wasn't a business at all. I was, um, I was trying to set up a trip with a group of friends of mine in South America and we wanted to get our motorcycles ah. there. Okay. So at the time I was, uh, as a private person, a potential client for the industry, which as you very well know, okay. is, is something that is in general, very difficult for, for freight forwarders, for example, to service, right? It's different, more difficult to people without any knowledge about the industry to, to, to do anything. So as cargo plot and well, we will get into the story probably more, but it's important to note that we now only service businesses. We are a B2B marketplace for freight forwarding services. So it's different from uh, what I was at the time. It was just my my first experience with the industry where I started learning about the huge fragmentation and intransparency that led me to believe that there was um, uh, a problem there uh, that, that, okay. that had to be solved. Yeah. So this is our interesting journey when it comes to the logistic industry. So having said that, you have uh, the different background in the university and your work experience. So what makes you confident when you set up your business? And I know that you may have many challenges when you set up it. And how can you overcome it? Uh, so, so do I understand correctly? Your first question was whether I what made me confident at the time about yeah. setting it up? So, okay, uh, clear. I would say I wasn't necessarily confident about knowing what it would have to look like. I was confident about there being a huge issue because I spoke to so many different freight forwarders and potential shippers before I started. Uh, so we started zooming in on the problem. Uh, and I had an idea, a vision about how we could solve it uh, that, you know, when you start a startup, it isn't necessarily that that idea of what the solution is going to look like in the beginning is definitely going to be the solution that's going to turn out to be the way you're going to do it. It's just that if the problem is there, uh, and I had quite high conviction on that because I spoke to so many people, um, you know, that there's something to solve and then, yeah, you know, you're just going to do it. And, and you, you there are challenges, of course, but uh, you, you try to find, find ways around them. Uh, and so far, so good. So, Okay, so you actually took a leap of faith when you started the company and and decided, okay, let's do it. And and did you, did you have 
before you actually start a business, do you already have a client or, or some kind of prototype or something? I be, no, not really, right? No, not at all. But I had a vision on on how we would help clients uh, find their freight forwarding services. And uh, I thought I could mimic it using pretty much just my email box. So during all those in- interviews with potential with shippers, so we service SME shippers, right? We are not in the yeah. enterprise environment. So SME shippers typically have easier decision-making processes. So during the interviews with these companies uh, and typically owners of these companies that I would be interviewing, um, they already started mentioning like, okay, but you know, when you start, you can just do those for shipments for me. Right. So I, I did during the interviews and especially later in the interviews as the, the, the ID crystallized further, uh, they just started placing orders with me. Can you not, you know, can you help me out with this? Uh, and then I just started doing that through the email box, which is not scalable at all, of course. But if you then can help those people and make some money off of it in that way, then it becomes valuable, of course, to build the scalable okay. version of whatever we were doing. So you've you've never worked with a for with a free PL or logistics service provider before, right? When you started a business? No, no, no not at all. I, you were uh, you're just a customer. Okay. Uh, yeah, potential customer because in the end we didn't do it because it was it was uh, such a big problem. But uh, we we do have freight forwarders involved in the business as uh, both coaches and 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 investors. So uh, okay. we I have close connections to loads of people that are very knowledgeable in the industry actually, and we talk a lot. So okay. So in one sentence, what is a company doing? A B two B marketplace for shippers and freight forwarders. Okay. All right. And what kind of problem are you solving? We, uh, the, 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 the transparency in the freight forwarding industry, meaning transparency in rates and quality of service levels, et cetera. So are you saying that the industry is not transparent and there is a lot of uh, strange things going on when you're trying to get quotations from the, the freight forwarders? Very much so. Yes, I am actually. Okay. All right. Especially with. Uh, sorry. Can you describe a little bit about the, the products or the service that you provide to your clients? Yeah. So as a shipper, uh, logistics jobs that you might have, like uh, any container from China to, to, to Europe, somewhere in Netherlands, for example, um, you can post a job with us or your supplier can do it, for example, if that's the process that you have. Uh, and we met you with the freight forwarders in our uh, database and provide you with the quotes that they offer. Uh, and then you can select based on the rate, the quality service levels that they that it comes with, et cetera, whether uh, you want to work with this party or that party or this party. Um, yeah, that's, that's how it works. And then following uh, finding the right solution for you, you can actually process the full logistics operation on our platform. And therefore, every other time that you make a decision on who you want to work with, you can just do it through one system. So it's not, you know, you, the, the switching costs go down massively, tremendously compared to the standard where you need to f- figure out a new way of working with every other partner. Something that usually those a small, medium-sized business will do it manually, right? When they go out yeah. and try to find... Uh, quotations, they will have to contact multiple freight forwarders, uh, then, you know, 
probably put the information into an Excel file and just do some comparison uh, between all of them, right? So you kind of automate and facilitate the process, right? That's that's exactly how it is. And and ev- if they do it themselves, typically what's important to note is both what you mentioned, there's a lot of manual work in it. It's very time consuming. But then on top of that, it's also a sure way to only access a very small portion of the full market. For example, a Dutch shipper of ours might not be aware of the Chinese forwarders that very well can service them on the sea freight element of their, their requirement, for example. And we might be able to offer them not only, okay, look, these Chinese freight forwarders are very interesting rates for these shipments, but also that these companies, cross-borders trust issues are a lot bigger, right? If you work with as a Dutch company with a Dutch company, your trust level is is somewhat higher. It's easier to to find that trust. But if you want to work with a Chinese company as a Dutch smaller shipper, it's harder to know. Okay, is this? Am I doing the right thing? Is this company trustworthy, etc.? With us, you know, it's trustworthy because we have the you know other users of that same partner in China, which have verified. Okay, this is a good partner to work with. And therefore, you can start selecting from a much wider base of of, uh, of solution providers, freight forwarders. Um, so it's on top of the difficulty of finding or or comparing freight forwarders. Um, there's also a difficulty in finding all the freight forwarders uh, that that might be of interest in the market. What kind of difference are we talking about when you're looking at rates from different forwarders? What kind of variations do you have? Are we talking about 10, 20, 30% sometimes a, a difference in terms of pricing for, for yes. the exact same service? Yeah, so um, that is another note, by the way, uh, talking about the problem when you compare as a smaller shipper yourself, the exact same rates or exact same services are really difficult to to define in many cases for these shippers, right? The inco terms might be different. The, the yes, type yeah. of company might be different. So it's... That, that increases the difficulty of, of comparison for, for SMEs. But, but, uh, to come back to your question, um, um, the differences for exactly the same service might uh, vary strongly across different types of modalities, regions. So, for example, for the US route, right? Uh, Europe to the US. Uh, differences might be up to 10, 20%. And on the current rates, that's massive. Uh, on the China route, you see the prices coming down very strongly. And I'm talking about C rates, by the way, right now, uh, coming, do- coming down very strong. Uh, they have come down already. And you see that those changes become slightly smaller, but it, it remains between the, the, the most expensive offerings on our platform and the, the lowest offerings on our platform. There's still, for example, 15, 20% difference in the market. Um, so, so those differences are quite big. And then on air freight, it's even uh, bigger, the differences. Uh, and similar for train freight, which we see a strong growth in as well. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to the quotation, as you mentioned, how can you get uh, the price from the auto forwarders? And how many forwarders or how many quotation do you have when you provide a comparison to your clients? So uh, both of those questions are highly dependent on the specific situation that we're in. But uh, what we try to do is, because we're started, of course, we try to get our marketplace to work for specific regions. And then we can focus our clients and our client acquisition, customer acquisition, 
to clients that are uh, using that region as a source, for example, for their for their produce, etc. Uh, in doing so, we managed to, for those regions, build up the network in a way that we have the rates in our system. So one, once the, the, the quote is, the, the request is entered, the rates come out automatically. We don't have to go there and ask them. We have them in our system. We know what their rates are. So it, it, it pops up. Uh, it just calculated automatically. Um, but for other routes where we haven't built that capability yet, because we didn't focus there yet, we do have to go out there and ask them. We typically try, try to not do that unless an existing client from the other route where we do most business for just wants us to help with it, right? Then we do it as a service. But we try to focus as much as we can on getting the marketplace to work in a specific region, build our network there, and then go to the next. How do you make sure that those threat forwarders update their information, uh, you know, regularly? Because obviously those, those pricing change every day. Yeah. So for, uh, for air freight, it's, it's indeed that, that, that often that it changes, but the uh, spot market rates for, uh, sea freight typically are somewhat more stable. Let's say two weeks over the past months. That hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, it came down so quickly that they keep posting these, 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 um, new rates, but these forwarders are quite, they, they lose business. They know they are losing business if they don't update you frequently enough on, um, the, the rates that go down. So as soon as we have this serious business with them, that, that's a thing for us. We, by balancing the two sides of a platform, right? You need sufficient supply to satisfy the demand, but it's the other way around as well for the demand to be interested in the, uh, sorry, for the supply to be interested in the demand that we can generate over the platform for their services, there needs to be sufficient demand. And as soon yeah. as we have freight forwarders that get sufficient demand from our side, so in other words, they get plenty of business, then they start updating regularly because they know, okay, this is a source of business for us. I need to be sure that they get the rates uh, because if they don't, the business is going to go somewhere else. Yeah, and also I'm I'm, I'm trying to to be in the in the in the chair of, of a shipper. Uh, you know, if I if I use your platform, I don't want to be uh, watching 50 different quotations, right? So how do you ensure that you get the best? Um, and all I'm interested is probably five or six, but I can do some kind of quick comparison. So are you able to actually kind of filter and? and just highlight the most interesting quotation to your clients? Yeah, so uh, that's actually what we are cur currently working on strongly, how we filter the offering in such a way that always the most relevant comes up. But what yeah. you see is that if a certain level of trustworthiness is satisfied, uh, in other words, their star rating is above 4.5, for example, I'm just saying something, right? Calling some numbers, but... Um, Let's say the trustworthiness is satisfied. And typically right now, our partners that are active on the platform, we sort of give the cargo plot stamp. Okay, we know these are trustworthy, right? So all the offerings are relevant. And once that's the case, in many cases, you see that companies will just decide based on the rate. Uh, so the most interesting rate at that moment in time. Uh, that that's typically what we see, and therefore, you know, filtering on the rate, given the trustworthiness uh, quality is satisfied, um, that that okay. is a good filter already. 
And do you rate your 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 suppliers uh, based on responsiveness, uh, effectiveness, uh, you know, uh, time time timely shipment? I mean, there are so many criteria that you can bring in, right? Uh, over than just price, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so what we are doing is we are now collecting a lot of information already on uh, certain certain elements that we know we want to start showing at some point, uh, but not showing we are not showing them yet. Uh, because we want to make sure the data is sufficient to actually say something about this partner. And then uh, we have some rud- more rudimentary ways of providing the experience of previous clients uh, by just asking reviews. So we ask them to review and there's a mm. general review and then there's specific reviews on specific top- topics, like, for example, what you mentioned. Um, okay. So how many uh, forwarders do you have on your platform so far? Um, that, that is a very difficult question to ask. I, I, uh, you need to go to in, into more specifics. I would say we have quite a lot of them, but on specific regions, the group is smaller. Uh, and with us, the difference between a forwarder being on the platform and not is also, um, an, an imprecise definition, I would say, meaning, with what I mentioned before, some of the forwards, we have all the quotes in the system. So as, as soon as we get a request, the, the quotes are automatically generated. And some of the ones that we are just recently started working with, first we see, okay, how does it work together before we integrate them fully in the system, right? Uh, so are they already part of a platform or not? Uh, it's, but order of magnitude are, um, yeah, well. Yeah. Do you have any uh, criteria to... Uh, to let them to try your platform before kind of the, the, the supplier's evaluation before you let them try your platform? Um, we, right now, it is very much a process that comes through one of our employees. So typically it's freight forward is that we have heard in the marketplace are uh, good solutions. So obviously we talk to a lot of of our clients, but also to a lot of people that are not yet our clients or might not become our clients. And what we do is, okay, so who do you work with now? What are their rates like? Um, how do they compare? And whenever we hear good names, we start adding them. Uh, we started okay. out with about maybe 60 to 70 different freight forwarders just to get them in our network to understand, okay, where are your rates at? And we would just request them rates to just understand, okay, sort of, where generally, where are you in the space in terms of rates and quality of service? And then in the Netherlands, it's somewhat easier for us to get like uh, anecdotal evidence on the quality of service that they have. Uh, that's much harder, for example, when you look at China for us, right? That's that's mm-hmm. a bit more, um, yeah, challenging to okay. get information on the quality of service, etc. So, so just to go back on what you mentioned earlier about the lack of transparency, do you have some time free PR who actually were reluctant to be compared? Uh, they, you know, they don't want to join your platform because they don't want to see, they don't want to be compared with cheaper, you know, offers in the market. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to think about the, the larger free PRs here without mentioning any names who obviously are, tend to be more expensive. Uh, in comparison with the smaller or medium-sized freight forwarders, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so I think for uh, the larger three PLs to get to that point first, um, the larger three PLs they tend to be of no interest at all to our 
type of client. <laughs> they are way too expensive. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Because you're targeting say, SMEs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Exactly. And that's exactly how it works. And uh, but that's not to say that, for example, with with parcel shipments, um, if they need a sample from somewhere or something, then of course these networks from uh, FedEx, etc., they are or DHL, they are very relevant. But it's a completely different type of business, of course, what they are doing. Yeah. So that's where they are relevant to our customers. But in all the other spaces, they are not really relevant to our customers, and and we don't really work with them we have good rates with with some of them uh for relative for them but compared to what the others can offer the the, the other partners that we have there's just no chance they can, they can compete um so and then have some been reluctant yes some have been reluctant what we try to do is two things that i think are important there is the first is we try to really integrate with their way of working so we really try to do everything to make sure that they do not have to massively change anything to be able to work with us. And then for them, generally, it is a way to just to add business, right? We have had the question once uh, where it was, okay, so I know I'm relatively more expensive, but we do offer a lot more service than others. And then what typically our response is, well, if that's the case, you know, it should show from from the actual data that we are collecting on your performance and also our personal experience. Because as I mentioned before, originally we did everything through email. So there's a lot of contact, human contact between some of our team and, and their team. And we just know the way they work quite quickly because of that. Uh, and at the time it was... We knew they did more, they, they offered a little bit more service and we were willing to pay a little bit more at the time for that, or our clients were. Um, but there is a limit to that. And, and yeah, there, the, that question is a fair question, of course. There's, there's this, but we, we try to in every way possible. And that's also what we discuss with these freight forwarders to not get a race to the bottom on our platform, right? That's why it's so important for us to really have data on the quality of service as well on the type yeah. of company that you're working with it's a dutch company or it's a chinese company working together with the dutch company uh, all that kind of information needs to come with the rates because there's players in the market and we know those players that offer always offer cheaper lower rates but their way of working is so different that it for example with an air freight shipment where it usually might be seven days from china to to the netherlands for example um in total right with everything uh with them it typically is two weeks you know that kind of information needs to be there before you put them on the platform because otherwise a client is always going to be like well why would i not choose for this cheaper option but then mm -hmm. in hindsight finding out this is not actually the same thing this is just a lot slower yeah, so we are talking about the, the platform, the transparency in the, the cargo that you have, the customer. So does your company actually handle the logistic process to make it more efficiency? Kind of, you also handle the custom clearance, cargo pickup, kind of thing, or you use another third party? So, um, what we try to do is 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 remove ourselves operationally from the logistics process, right? So we do, do build the software that is used to handle the operation process. Uh, for example, we have um, a platform built where clients can yeah, automatically track their their shipments 
uh, they can collect their documents that they require for the shipments, but also the suppliers can supply the documents there that they need to supply. A shipper or a, a receiver or consignee can, can upload their documents. And then the a customs agent that is a third party, we don't do that, uh, can, or it, it either is the freight forwarder that does the, the full operation or it is another third party that can be chosen through our platform as well. We don't do any of that ourselves. Uh, we are not a logistics company. Or at least we are involved in logistics as a software company, not as some knowledge player on customs, et cetera. So it all is collected and managed through the platform. It's just not that we do uh, any of the processes. What happens now is that we, um, as a, as a server sort of do manage that all the documents and everything is in time, uh, arrives in time, et cetera. But uh, we just haven't come around to it yet, building that uh, to be automatic. But it's relatively easy to do that automatically, right? You can check whether something is there. You know when it has to arrive or when something arrives. So you need, you know, okay, we need to start sending reminders to the relevant parties right now. Uh, that's something that we are working on. And step by step, uh, we, we keep adding uh, that. But so far, um, yeah, that's so we are involved. Uh, but we are <clears throat> mostly doing stuff that, that just, you know, we can out- automate ourselves. <clears throat> so how can okay. you get real time tracking from the, uh, the forwarders kind of, uh, all of the information that come from them and you are using your platform to show the information to your client. So how can you get the, the latest information from them to get your data? always the latest one yeah so so the platform is a hub for the different stakeholders in the process and what that means is that um as soon as there is a planning available if let's say we are still talking about the container that needs to come from ningbo and it needs to go to Rotterdam. As soon as uh, the planning is available, the Chinese agent can uh, add the, the details of the planning to our platform and the client will see that. As soon as the container number is available, they upload the container number and we start collecting the information directly from the carrier, right? Um, and in that same way, that, that, that works pretty much for all the shipments. The one thing that we haven't done this for yet, which is also a priority thing for us uh, and also availability in the market of data, is that we didn't do it for air freight yet because our focus mainly is on sea freight. We do air freight as well, uh, but we just have a lot fewer shipments of those. So we, we haven't looked into the, the tracking there yet. Um, but uh, for example, a train freight, there's not really a proper between Europe and, and China. I'm still talking um, about. There's not really a proper way to track that yet. But the data is typically available from the source of the the the, the freight forwarder that handles the train shipment in China. And they can then also provide that so that in the platform, making sure that the client is always up to date on the latest information Mm -hmm. that is available in the chain, which obviously is often imperfect. So there is information that you have in your platform already input by the the different freight forwarders, but can, can a freight forwarder respond to an RFQ even if it doesn't have any rates, uh, already, uh, into your platform? If something new for him, for him and he wants to give a business, can he actually, does he get notified, uh, that there's a potential customer for him and he can respond to that, uh, that in a dynamic way? 
Um, not at the moment. Uh, also because that's a bit of the part of the uh, not wanting to create a race to the bottom. We don't want to open okay, up a marketplace right. where you okay. have an, uh, like a, a job and then they can start offering lower and yeah, lower. Yeah, they can start fighting on rates. Okay, all right, yes, I get it. We, we, mm. we want to prevent that from happening. We want them to be confident of the service that they offer at the rates that they offer. And then uh, we are not going to pressure them to, to go lower okay. and lower and lower. Just, you know. So in the future, do you think that you will have the kind of a logistic platform that can show the live price comparison to your clients? Kind of some website have done like the Skycanner in the flight ticket or uh, the other website for the accommodation of hotels, price mm-hmm. comparisons, as you may know. I expect that this will go live on our main uh, main routes of operation uh, in January already. A, a, a version of this. So, of course, it's not going to be exactly the same. But, yes, okay. definitely, that's, that's where we're going. You become a booking or freight forwarding, yeah. Um, but so competition, uh, Martin, you must have some. What, what would you consider as, as your competitors for this kind of marketplace, yeah? Yeah, so that question is always sort of two-sided. Um, we compete mostly with other freight forwarders that also offer their services through our platform, right? So. Um, if you take the example of booking.com there is booking.com that can compete with hotels where clients book directly with hotel instead of through booking.com we have the same thing so that's the actual competition in the market if you talk about the technology and our position in the market the way we do it the way we approach it um, I think the one example that you probably know uh, is is Freitas Fredos, they they Fredos, uh, yeah, in Israel, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Okay. Uh, they they are doing a similar thing. Of course, they have more. They also have uh, more just a freight marketplace, not just with the freight forwarding services included, but they do also do with the freight forwarding services included. Uh, but I, you know, typically larger three PLs that are on the on the platform doing their offering, and also strong in a different different routes, different markets. Um, than we are there. We don't really see them as a competitor here in the Netherlands yet. Of course, this can change. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so I would say that comes closest. So Freitos is a, would be the closest competitor for you. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, Roy? Yeah, so I see that on your platform, most of the language I use in the Dutch language. So is this your uh, only the, the focus customer? You focus on the local market only? What kind of uh, the, the website and, should also be provided in English. I don't know. Did you mention it? <laughs> did you say it was only Dutch? <laughs> she she was logging from uh, Ireland, so that's why the, the Dutch version came up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah, I look at it, it yeah, was in like, English for me. The version is in, okay. in the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now you, you, you have an English. More about your customer. Uh, what regions or what countries of the customer? the customer segmentation that you are working on? Yeah, no, so um, we focused on Dutch customers, but we do also service uh, some some in the UK, quite a few in Belgium, which is our neighbor, of course, uh, and, and Western Germany happens, but the, most most of the customers are located in, in, in the Netherlands. And we actually, we did, 
do pretty much everything. So German customers, Belgium customers, UK customers, because our network can service them. Our network of, of uh, freight forwarders, service providers on our platform can service all of these markets pretty good. Like th- their 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 presence is, is good enough to do that. Um, but we see that by focusing our customer acquisition uh, on a specific market, we are just able to 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 build better for this specific group. And then after that, we can uh, expand again in, into these markets more actively. So our focus is the Netherlands, but we do offer services to clients outside of the Netherlands. Okay. Let's yeah, talk. Ve- yeah. Yeah, so thanks, Ray. What do you think, um, what makes your companies outstanding in the market? So the customer will choose your platform, choose the catalog instead of order uh, logistic forwarders. Yeah, with us, they always know that they get uh, the best offering that's available in the market uh, and they can manage the whole process conveniently from one place. So uh, I think that's a new. Okay. How do you make money, Martin, with your platform? Yeah, we put we put a margin on on all quotes. And so uh, when, okay. when a client pays, we take out, out our margin and the rest uh, of the money goes to the, the executing uh, freight forwarding company. Okay. I want to talk quickly about your the company uh, Cargo Plot as a, as a startup company. Uh, what is your what is your current funding uh, funding stage? Are you raising uh, funding right now or no? But we expect to start uh, Q1 uh, of next year. Okay. All right. How many yep. employees do you have currently? Um, all included, nine. Okay. And how many engineers? Is this all done in the Netherlands, or are you also seeing to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three, three, three engineers, uh, of which those are all in the Netherlands, um, including uh, two other, uh, four others, uh, not everyone full time, uh, two full time, two part time. And then we have uh, a couple of um, people that help us in sales that are not located in the Netherlands. Okay. What, what would be, you know, what would be your biggest challenge as a, as a co-founder? I know I understand that you have two other co-founders in, in right now in growing the business. Uh, what, what keep you awake at night? Well, that always uh, changes uh, regularly, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you, if you had something, if you had one big headache, which is ongoing, uh, you know, as you, as you develop a business, yeah. At the moment, the reduction of uh, or the 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 coming down of the rates in the freight in the logistics industry is a bit challenging for our numbers, especially uh, you know yeah just in general that that is not great. If 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 there's a what eighty percent decrease in rates uh, in a couple of months' time, that's going to do something to your revenue numbers. Because you take a commission, right? It's it's a commission we, based. Yeah. Yes. It's a commission, and uh, although we see that our commission is a lot more resilient uh, than the overall re- revenue, it still hurts quite a bit, especially in the beginning. Okay. Hmm. So in the future, do you have any plan to scale up your team or scale up your customer segments? Definitely, yes, yes. We are choosing to focus mostly because that way we can just offer the clients that we service within that focus area the best. So um, uh, 
but as soon as we can and we have the resources, we definitely will scale up uh, as quickly as possible across different regions uh, so that we can service the clients in those regions the best way possible as well. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Where do you see your company uh, or solution in, in three to five years from now? Do you want to be as big as Fred OS or, you know, I, I know the Fred OS is actually going public now. Uh, what, yes. what is your plan? What, what kind of, you know, uh, long-term strategy do you have here? Yeah. So I think with the solution that we have, uh, is, is the connection still? Okay? It's working. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, Yes, as big and and possibly bigger uh, with the solution that we have, I think we can serve us a lot of clients. Uh, we have a current strong focus on a specific group of clients, which I mentioned, the, the SMEs that operate in the spot market. So they need to buy their trade services in the spot market. Otherwise, um, you know, they are better off uh, buying elsewhere. Uh, but I have different ideas about how we can expand our solution without much change, actually, but offer the same uh, uh solution uh, fixing similar problems for bigger companies as well um, uh, and I would like to expand there so it's both in regions where we should be active across Europe across Asia across uh, the US um, um, but also in terms of product we I think we can adapt uh, and and start helping somewhat larger customers as well uh, both of those um, should be uh, active uh, within the, those that time frame that you just mentioned, um, okay. and thereby we should be uh, become uh, as big or bigger as Freitas, hopefully. Okay, Hoi, Final question before uh, we wrap up. Yeah, it's so interesting to have your sharing today. So uh, maybe in the nutshell, can you, uh, in one sentence, can you describe the the the, the key the key uh, missions of your company or the the most interesting thing in your company and the passion when you run your business? Yes, uh, bringing transparency to the logistics industry. Yeah, that's that's really what what uh, what we are trying to do. Okay, that's a that's a good statement. That's a that's a very respectable mission. Obviously, the industry is quite large. Uh, I've got some quick fire questions just to wrap up the interview. Uh, so get ready, Martin. Uh, cats or dogs? Ooh, dogs. Window or aisle? Aisle. Uh, one of your favorite movies you, you watched recently? Just one movie that comes to your mind? Oh, that's very hard. Um, 12 Years a Slave, I thought was a very, very... Well, yeah, good movie, not fun. Okay, good. Yes. What's your favorite sandwich? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's really difficult. Um, or something add, you eat all the time at lunch? Something you know, uh, like a regular. Let's go. Let's go with. Uh, I, I wouldn't know the English pronunciation uh, word for it, so let's go with uh, with a uh, bacon and egg sandwich. Okay, all right. <laughs> What's your most used app on your phone, the, the app that you always look at or use? If if it is not WhatsApp, which I, which I still use as my, uh, yeah, uh, it is Financial Times. The, the, financial Times, okay. That's the newspaper. All right. 
What's your favorite tool to uh, to build or communicate within your team? Yeah. Uh, that's that's WhatsApp to the frustration of my team probably. <laughs> okay, all right. So using WhatsApp are, internally as well. Yeah, well, actually, our systems are are, are uh, we use Teams and we and we use Discord, okay. but I okay. I am uh, a bit hard headed with that sometimes and come back to okay. WhatsApp. <laughs> if you could describe the rest of your life in a couple of words, what would it be? Where do you see yourself uh, in 20, 30 years from now when you get older? So a couple of words, I would say exciting. I have, I think, a fair, <laughs> fairly exciting life. Uh, and where I'm in 20 to 30 years, uh, yeah, running, uh, running a, a company with, uh, which, which has, is accomplishing in a, in a big way, uh, the, the, the mission that we have today, uh, the transparency in the industry. Um, I expect. Okay, but, you know. great. Thank you very much, Martin, for this interview. Uh, it was great. Thanks a lot, Ray, for all those great questions. We talk a lot about uh, the, the platform today, but I think it was interesting to understand how uh, those, you know, that platform works and how do you actually work and interact with the, uh, the different stakeholders. Uh, I think you've got a very interesting product, and I'm sure a lot of companies would be interested uh, to use it. Again, uh, this was Martin DeRage, co-founder and CEO of CargoPlot are joining the Chain Tech Show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.